Well, hey, everybody, can you hear me okay? Oh, wow, that was really loud. I'm going to tone that down just a little bit. Okay, so we're here today for the Building a Profitable Next Generation um, AWS MSP Practice Session, and that was really a mouthful. Um, hopefully, that's the session everybody was expecting to hear about today, so you have about two minutes to go without hurting our feelings if that wasn't the topic you wanted to hear about. Uh, so we'll go ahead and get started with a couple of introductions. Um, first of all, my name is Barbara Kessler. I'm the Global MSP Segment Lead at AWS. Hi there, I'm Dave Lim. I head up our consulting partner business and MSPs for AsiaPAC. I'm Thomas Robinson. I'm a solutions architect on the partner team uh, focusing on managed service providers. All right, thanks. So a couple of topics we're going to cover for you today. We're going to talk about the evolution of managed services in the cloud and how this has changed from traditional models. We're going to talk about the opportunity for next generation AWS MSPs. We're going to talk a little bit about building the, building the business and building the MSP practice. Uh, we're going to talk about next generation tooling and services, uh, partner enablement from AWS, and then we'll recap with a couple of key takeaways. So let's start by talking about the evolution of managed services. Um, go ahead, Dave. Yeah, sure. So um, welcome to reInvent, everyone. I hope you're looking forward to it. I certainly am looking forward for the rest of the week. Um, I'm the gratuitous Aussie guy they bring up on stage with my two esteemed US colleagues, so I do apologize if I do talk fast. Um, so just tap me on the back and I'll slow down. <laughs> okay, so before we jump into um, talking about uh, next generation uh, MSP practice and how to drive that growth into your business, we really want to sort of take a step back and have a look at the managed services in the cloud now. I think, you know, the, the evolution of on-solution, um, uh, uh, sorry, on-premise solutions now moving to the cloud has really given our uh, MSP partners a fantastic opportunity to build high-value solutions and solutions that they can really drive into their customers and become a trusted advisor. Um, so one area that we see a lot of shift in is the focus of an MSP. So traditionally, managed service providers have really focused in the run-operate services, and this is really no longer the best model for a cloud MSP. Uh, customers are looking for experts who can consult with them, who can design, architect, and automate highly intelligent solutions, as well as running and operating and eventually optimizing those solutions for them. Customers we find today are also less inclined to want to patch together a network of providers to offer components of the solution, and they're looking for an MSP who can support them across the full life cycle of their services needs. Yeah, it's a hard, uh, sorry, MSP partners really don't have to rely on hardware solutions now. Um, you know, looking at those things that really invoke things like capacity planning or refresh um, cycles, you know, that were often expensive and very costly. Um, you know, today they can cut their costs and uh, really look at a cloud-first strategy. And that's how they're approaching their part as their customers. So many of their partners are now going in and sort of um, not even discussing performance issues and now moving to a, a cloud-first strategy. I guess the other thing is it's really allowing um, uh, the partners to understand the full um, uh, opportunities and advantages with AWS and moving that discussion from a cost optimization, which often revolves around CapEx and OpEx, to that more high value conversation around you know, cloud strategies and cloud optimization. Um, operations and the operations of an MSP has shifted a bit too with the introduction of the cloud and those um, cloud-based services. Uh, traditionally, an MSP has had a centralized network operations center where their resources are based and tied. And while that's still a, a valid model, we find that it's less and less necessary for cloud-based solutions. Uh, we're moving away from the need for significant human intervention and manual intervention in solutions um, to more automated solutions and the ability for an engineer to resolve a problem um, manipulating code from wherever they can access the internet. So they're not as tied to a physical location to provide those services and to operate as an MSP. Yeah, and so MSPs are really moving away from um, uh, performance-based uh, management of hardware and infrastructure um, and really looking forward to, you know, how they can bring more value around um, detection, anom anomaly detection, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, but more importantly, uh, looking at how uh, SLAs are really kind of based on performance and now being managed by AWS. And so that underlying infrastructure is also being supported, managed, uh, operated in highly available, highly secure um, environments. 
And so the partners can now really free themselves up to be focused on performances of the application um, and also business outcomes. And so this is a really different kind of shift, obviously, that's moving through uh, many of our next-gen uh, partners and their, their discussions with the customers. Um, change management is another interesting area of shift. So traditionally, change management has focused around needs like capacity planning and updates. Uh, and those needs really shift for cloud-based solutions. And the, that capacity management and capacity planning is no longer as um, it's a solved issue in AWS. And so those manual processes that were needed to do that, that were both very time and resource intensive, are no longer required of the MSP. So we see our next-gen AWS MSPs embracing DevOps methodologies and leveraging CID, CD skill sets to continually assess, implement, manage, and track changes for their customers. Static environments are really no longer an issue. It's really about anomaly detection. Um, you know, CPU utilization or memory, those sorts of things, they're not relevant anymore. And so MSPs are really looking at how to address, you know, the more high value com components around um, static monitor sorry, monitoring of their environment. I mean, in the past, they used to sort of focus on capacity planning, performance, alert issues, use that as a base of a, a root cause analysis. Now they're really building environments that leverage, you know, um, self-healing and auto-scaling and invoking a lot of monitoring tools that are really kind of bringing in capabilities around machine learning and auto detection, uh, detecting um, anomaly detection. And that's in, uh, giving the MSPs very much more heads up and guidance around instances where the application might be degraded or services impact. And this is really building out the opportunity for MSPs to really start to get a lot closer to customers around their applications on the cloud. Security is another really interesting topic, I think, for an MSP. Um, so traditionally, we've had a separate focus from a managed security services provider or an MSSP, um, but we see really a convergence between what the MSSP has done historically and what our broader cloud MSP can provide today. Security is, uh, has to be at the forefront of the initial design and engagement with a customer. So we should be, the MSP should be creating solutions with security in mind from the start and with an understanding of a customer's compliance needs and regulatory needs as they build, manage, and operate that environment for their customer. Yeah, and MSPs are really evolving how they approach uh, and engage with their customers um, really through the full life cycle now as opposed to a pinpoint outsourcing uh, supplier uh, where there might be many in, in a customer's environment. And I think customers are really embracing those MSPs that really come in at the beginning around the consulting stage, right through to the build and run, operate, and then to optimize. Uh, and this is really building out long structured um, uh, partnerships and certainly uh, becoming trusted advisors. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, what we see today is that Customers are looking for an MSP who understands them, who understands their industry, their regulatory needs, their compliance needs, their business needs, and can marry that understanding of the customer's needs to a deep expertise in AWS to deliver high-value solutions that really differentiates from what the MSP has provided for them traditionally. Okay. So with the uh, shifting managed services landscapes, um, you know, managed services are building successful and profitable businesses by embracing the full life cycle. You know, they're going in early and doing in the consulting stage and really getting in the planning and the design component with their partner, uh, with the customers. <clears throat> that then moves into the build and migrate and they're really sort of getting their hands dirty and sort of jumping in as the professional services consultants. And then through the run and operate, making sure that those highly automated, highly scalable uh, applications and highly secure uh, applications and services are actually deployed correctly. And I think the biggest uh, step here for the next generation MSP is the ongoing optimization um, and really about how they can integrate um, new services and drive out costs. Uh, that's really where you know, the MSPs are really finding um, the, the movement through the customer's lifecycle. That's great. So what do our MSP partners have to say about this? You know, we've talked to you a bit now about our perspective, um, but I want to share with you a few quotes from some of our partners recently about what they're seeing evolve and change in the managed services space. Um, these quotes actually come from a uh, recently published study from Forrester Consulting that we'll talk about here in just another couple of slides. Um, but for an example, I want to take the top 
I think that's the top right corner, our uh, partner in EMEA, who talks about their ideal scenario being when they get to engage with a client early, um, they get to help them define and build their cloud strategy, then they do the migration or build work, and then they marry that, um, that solution, they match that solution to the best operating model to support that customer on an ongoing basis. And this is how they're, they're broadly approaching their business and engaging with their customers very, very early in the life cycle to be able to provide these end-to-end -end solutions to their end customers. And so we see the public cloud um, you know, services market, certainly when Gartner does the analyst, uh, analytics uh, in the market there, it's certainly growing, and I think we all agree with that. Um, but when you look at the cloud managed services markets, and there's some statistics here from markets and markets, uh, really about how um, the growth will be around 54 billion by 2022. But that's really around the run and operate, and that's kind of like a, a, you know, a closed segment of the full life cycle. And so we really wanted to look at the full life cycle, and that's what we've been talking about, going in from the beginning as a consultant, right through to the build, the operate, and then the optimize. And we wanted to qualify and quantify what the opportunity was for managed services uh, providers in the market. And so we engaged Forrester, Forrester Consulting earlier in the year, and we asked them to go to our leading AWS partners, um, the MSP partners that we have in our portfolio, and to sit with them and to work through things like revenues, margins, expenses, um, total, total return on investment, and the risks involved. And they've done that with several leading partners to really kind of get um, a fully, um, I guess, captured view of what the, the MSP's landscape is for a successful MSP as a next generation MSP. And so we've got some um, data that Barbara will forth, uh, follow through in the coming slides. Um, but certainly this was an in-depth project um, now available online, and we'll talk about that later, but a fantastic uh, lot of feedback and data points that we've got from, from, from the field in real life, and obviously very independent through Forrester and real-life figures from our partners. Great. Thanks, Dave. So helps if I push the right button on the remote to advance the slides. Um, I'm really excited to talk to you guys today about this study from Forrester. It's titled The Business Case for Next Generation AWS MSPs. Um, you can find it online. We'll point you to that uh, as we do our wrap-up and takeaways at the end of the session. Um, important context to add around how they've collected the data and the process that they used. As, as Dave talked about, they interviewed several of our leading AWS MSP partners to understand how they had gone about building their practices, what results they had seen over time. Um, and then they took that data and aggregated it into what they call a composite partner view. So the data that we'll share with you on several slides through, this, through the rest of this presentation is based on the composite view compiled by Forrester. Um, so the MSP partner opportunity, as identified in this study, the composite partner achieved a 57% gross margin on their managed services. And this is really primarily the traditional aspect of run, operate, managed services. Um, that contributed to a practice-wide gross margin of 50% and a practice operating margin of 35%. Those are huge numbers and huge results that are coming to us directly from our partners around what they're achieving as leading MSP partners um, in this market and in this space today. If we take a look at the, the circle chart or pie graph, whatever we're going to call that here on the right side of the slide, um, this is a, the total margin benefits achieved over the three-year window of the study. So the composite partner um, view was built, they built a pro forma income statement over three years to identify the full opportunity. The total margin achieved, about 22% of it, you can see up here in the upper right-hand part of that circle, came from initial design and build and migrate work. So this was initial consulting and professional services, drove 22% of the total margin realized by our partners over three years. Um, you can see over on the other side of the circle in purple that another 22% of the total margin realized came from managed services. And this is really the run-operate part of the business or the traditional managed services. What I think is really exciting is to look at this big area on the bottom in green. At 39% of the total margin came from follow-on professional and consulting work that was done with these clients. So because the MSP engaged early, did the initial consulting and professional services, provided a positive customer experience, continued to ensure that positive experience through managed services, 
um, they were able to realize an additional 39% of their total margin from follow-up professional services and consulting work. So I think that's a really telling story. Um, you can see a few other colors represented here from a couple of additional areas of margin contribution, including AWS resale and support. Um, third-party application sales, and some of our partners also have their own in-house IP that they sell to their end customers that contributes um, to the mar total margin as well. So I just want to bring to light um, one of our partners in New Zealand, uh, API Talent. They're an advanced um, APN partner and an MSP, and they have a customer called Radium who is a loyalty and purchase card uh, provider. Um, typically, we're seeing, you know, the with the managed service providers and certainly their engagement, engagements with customers is the, is the movement of applications from on-premise to the cloud and, and not uncommon and, as I said, a, a fairly regular theme. And I guess one of the, the caveats is always, if not if, if, most of the time, if not always, is it needs to be done yesterday and not today or tomorrow. And so API Talent um, went and worked with uh, um, Radium and uh, refactored their, their applications using um, AWS uh, Elasticash, and also then used CloudFormation to actually build um, infrastructure as a software so that they could deploy um, different versions and uh, basically put them on, on instances on demand. And so they've, what they've done is that they've given customer benefits, again, time to market, one of the key, key tenants, you know, that customers are demanding, um, improved customer performance and service, um, another key area that we're hearing that our MSPs are really focusing and doubling down on. And then obviously the assurance of the, of the infrastructure and the solution. It's always highly available, highly secure. And so API now has much more ongoing work. They're the trusted advisor for Radium. Um, they've picked up many more workloads to refactor, um, and they've got a built-out strategy and program to do that, and they're um, excelling in that offering in, in the New Zealand market. Keep pushing the wrong button on the remote. You'd think that would be easier to manage. <laughs> So we've covered a lot of ground talking about what it means to be a next generation managed service provider, how that's really transitioned from traditional managed services models. Um, and we've talked a bit about what the opportunity is um, as it exists today for MSPs in this space. So now we want to dig in a little bit around uh, how to build this type of practice within your business. So in the AWS environment and for our partners, um, I'm sure there's some existing partners here, but if, if you're not an existing partner, the AWS Partner Network, the APN. And it's really a, a framework, it's the cornerstone of our partnering program and the framework to help AWS-based partners to become successful. And we do this by providing valuable support around business, technical, and marketing. Um, it's also you know, an area that we can actually start to sit down with you and have our partner program manager or partner managers um, engage with you to understand you know, where do you want to be as a, a partner in a business. Um, not necessarily all of you want to be MSPs, but at the same time, there's many programs within the AWS APN network um, program that can help you get there. Um, understanding your certifications, uh, whether you've got them in-house already or whether you need to build out to build a center of excellence, all very deep and very important components. Um, building a business plan, uh, one of the key areas that we focus on in the partner, partner business is to make sure that all of our partners have business plans. And really, one of the areas that we're seeing a lot of growth and a lot of, um, uh, I guess, uh, areas of partners is the diversification around being differentiated and being specialists. Um, a lot of our customers are asking for partners to be you know, an expert in AWS, and we're building programs around those, and I'll talk about a couple of those later on. Um, but certainly, you know, some of the programs that we have, outside of the ones I'll talk a bit later about, are the reseller program, um, our SaaS program for technology partners, um, we have Marketplace, where there's over 4,000 offerings available on demand from over 1,200 different ISVs. We have a public sector program. So all of these programs are evolving, uh, are evolving and, and diversifying to help you become successful. And I guess, you know, at the back end, we have marketing um, programs as well. So we have APN Marketing Central. So you can have a campaign in a box or a webinar in a box where many of the templates and many of the uh, assets are already available, and in many cases at no cost for partners who are members of the APN. So when we wrap this pro uh, program up together, um, all of our partners are leveraging all different facets of it, and there's really no specific you know, area you need to deep dive. It's really what suits you as a business and where you want to be as a partner. Great. So what Dave has covered is some of the 
the broad areas that are applicable to all of our MSP partners. We felt that was an important foundation to set here. Um, let's talk now about some additional business considerations specifically for the, the next generation AWS MSP. Um, let's start with the cloud center of excellence. Um, I think there are a lot of different definitions of what this is and what it means and how you may be embracing this in your practices today. Um, the cloud center of excellence is a team of people dedicated to um, creating and evangelizing best practices, frameworks, and governance across your technology operations. Um, at least that's how we're approaching it in this conversation and for consideration of building an MSP practice. And we feel this, this is a really vital starting point for really any APN partner, but especially for our MSPs who need to be able to scale their skill set, both the, the depth of knowledge across the breadth of their services. Um, Having that cloud COE in place gives you a great foundation for building a consultancy practice if that's not already part of your business today. Um, consultancy is a critical starting point for a next generation MSP. Um, it's a much better experience for your customer as well as for yourselves as the MSP providing services to engage early and design the solution intelligently and with automation from the start rather than trying to come in and, and correct issues with that later in the process. Um, consultancy as a starting point leads into a natural progression to providing professional services, right? You understand your customer, you understand their needs, you've scoped the projects, you've helped them define their cloud strategy, and now you're well positioned to provide the professional services to then implement those plans, build out workloads, create applications, migrate workloads, et cetera. The natural extension from professional services is then to stay on board with your customer to provide ongoing managed services and then optimize those services on an ongoing basis as well. So it really brings you to that full life cycle of services with consultancy as a key starting point. Um, as we look at changing how we're providing these services, it's important to talk about emerging pricing models for managed services. There are really two pricing models we see primarily in the market today. Um, one is a per instance pricing model, right? So many dollars per instance managed as part of your managed service offering. Um, the other model we see commonly is a percentage uplift over AWS spend. So depending on how many dollars they spend with AWS, um, your managed services, your operating services, or fees are based on that spend. Um, but we're starting to see partners move beyond those traditional models. Um, there, are a few, there are a few challenges with those models and that the, sometimes there's a perception, um, a customer trust perception challenge um, when your fees are based on them spending more or having more instances. Um, so we see partners starting to move away from that a little bit and considering emerging pricing models, um, looking at including fees upfront for initiating the service through your consulting and professional services work. So charging those fees upfront and then potentially moving to fixed cost models on a monthly basis um, by workload or by solution. So we start, we're starting to see partners consider more and more um, different pricing models to address some of those underlying potential customer trust concerns. Um, sales compensation models, another important area to talk about, especially as you're changing pricing models. Um, and for those of you who come from backgrounds where you're reselling hardware or you have um, software licensing um, compensation models in place today, it can be really challenging to assess how best to incent your sales organizations to, uh, to sell cloud-based services that have monthly um, monthly pricing models, it can, be, it can be challenging to consider how to navigate through that. Um, we see partners achieving the best success here when they move to monthly recurring models with a strong margin component tied to the full life cycle of services. Uh, continual investments, another important area of business consideration. Um, we'll talk in a minute about total investments and what that looks like up front. But building out your practice, as I'm sure all of you already know, is not a one-time thing. There's an ongoing investment that needs to be made. 
in the um, staffing resources and making sure that you have the right skill sets on board, that you continue to train, certify, and develop your personnel, um, that you have the right tools in place to support your customers, that you're investing in research and development to continue to evolve the services you're providing to your customers. All important areas to consider in how you're investing in continuing to grow your practice. Um, all of these things tied together with the foundation of the Cloud Center of Excellence, starting as a consultant to provide full lifecycle services, um, refreshing uh, your pricing models, refreshing your sales compensation models, and making those continual investments really provide an excellent framework to, um, to have long-lasting, healthy relationships with your customers. So we've talked a lot about investments, but what does that really mean in terms of dollars and where does that need to go? So based on the, the study from Forrester Consulting in the composite partner view, the, um, the composite partner invested $1.3 million up front in establishing and creating their next-gen AWS MSP practice. They saw a payback of that at right between 13 and 14 months. Uh, and what I love on this chart here on the left side of the screen is this great hockey stick effect. You can see in the blue the total costs over time. Obviously, we're continuing to invest in building our practice, but our benefits or our margin continues to grow at a higher rate than our costs do. So it creates a nice hockey stick effect on total benefits. On the right side of the chart, we can see the total of investments made over three years. I don't think that these will create any surprises for anybody here. Um, incremental staffing being the single largest expense, having the talent, the depth of expertise in your teams is critical. Um, and so that's a pretty significant investment that we're seeing with our MSP partners. Um, you also see in purple, marketing was about 19%, um, research and development about 16%. Training, the cost of training itself, like the, the classes and certification exams, it represented a relatively small amount of the total investment. Um, and the remaining 25% comes from sales, general administrative, those overhead expenses within the business. I'll let you wrap this one up. Ah, okay. Yeah, so um, is that the right slide? It is. So, you know, we're going to... For Tom's? Yes. Sorry. <laughs> you transitions. Me up there. Yes, transitions. the transition. Sorry. So Thomas Robinson's now going to talk about the next component um, around next gen MSPs, and that's the, the most important part is the tooling in Thomas's um, view, <laughs> as he told me earlier. So we'll sit down, let Thomas go through his slides, and just um, give you a good overview of MSP tooling, uh, the tooling that the MSPs are using uh, for their next gen operations. Great. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Barbara. Uh, so I'm going to talk about uh, a very important aspect of uh, MSPs uh, working in the cloud, which is a change in tooling. Now, whether you're converting from a uh, traditional managed service provider to a next gen, or if you're building a cloud native practice, the tooling that you have your engineers, your developers using is going to be a key part of the service that you're going to provide to those customers. Uh, I'm going to talk about four key areas within tooling uh, and look at some AWS services that you can use, as well as some best-in-class AWS technology partner solutions that we see a lot of our MSPs using. Uh, before I get into the specific areas, I'm going to talk a little bit about why things are changing in the cloud and why we see different, uh, different tooling uh, come, out of, uh, come out of the partner ecosystem. And that's just the way people are building cloud architecture. Uh, when you're engaging early, uh, which is what we recommend as part of any uh, cloud MSP practice, you're going to be changing the way your customers are deploying infrastructure. Uh, you're going to take, take servers and network appliances, turn those into code, and you're going to start using AWS services that make sense for your customers' applications. So if you're redesigning and adding in RDS or DynamoDB or S3, your engineers need to understand what those services are and when to apply them so they are those trusted experts for their customers. Your teams need to understand how to monitor and how to operate those environments to be able to provide the same high availability uh, that your customers expect. And then you also need to understand how to optimize those environments and understand what metrics are coming off of them. 
And even in how you structure your business, if you have a customer building a greenfield application on AWS, they might want to use an architecture that doesn't match a traditional MSP practice. They might go and replace all of their EC2 instances with Lambda functions and their ELBs with an API gateway. How do you price on a per instance basis something that has no servers? It creates different opportunities for MSPs to think about how they're pricing their services. Jumping into monitoring, uh, we see a, a very large change here because of the way applications have changed. Rather than having, an, having a server and you being responsible for the uptime of that server, you're now responsible for an application and the availability of that application. So you're not so much uh, interested in the CPU or the memory of an individual server, but you're worried about uptime. You want to monitor, monitor an environment that if CPU begins to spike, you add another server to the cluster. So how do you understand when a server is unhealthy? You may compare it to other application servers in a cluster. If your entire operation is running at 50% across this uh, set of servers and one is running at 70%, that's an anomaly. Begin to look there. Automate replacement of that server. Don't cause an incident and have an engineer look into something that can be simply replaced uh, autom uh, through automation. Uh, start focusing on application performance and what that end user experience is. So rather than taking a look at uh, a CPU or memory, take a look at the response times, what that end user is getting off of that customer's application. And then think about logging. With the amount of logs coming off of applications and from servers and from services, it's overwhelming both for customer development teams as well as your engineers. Think about how you can provide services that are going to let them parse through those logs faster both to let your engineers identify root causes of issues and provide business intelligence uh, to business units at the customer. There's a lot of data there that can be used, and we'll talk a, bit, a little bit later about a case study on, uh, on one of those. When you're selecting a tool, pay attention to uh, first to whether the service that you're providing integrates with AWS services like CloudWatch for all of the AWS services that you're using. Think about how it integrates with CloudTrail and config and the information coming off of this so you can tie changes in your environment to incidents because change can cause outages. Understand other key requirements, like how important is application performance versus log monitoring versus anomaly detection in your, in your monitoring tools. Think about partner in integrations, other tools that you're using within your environment. How do your monitoring tools interact with those? Can it monitor all of the different things that you're interested in? And then uh, pay attention to log analysis and being able to provide that service and how you provide that service. Is it going to be part of your base managed, uh, managed services offering? Or is it going to be a, a higher tier service that only a select customers are going to sign up for? You can also uh, look at our DevOps competency, uh, where we have a technology partner section for monitoring, logging, and performance uh, to find these partners as well as others uh, who can meet your needs. Uh, at AWS, we talk a lot about the shared responsibility model and how AWS is now responsible for security of the cloud. But customers are still responsible for the security of their applications, uh, where to apply encryption, how to meet their different compliance standards. And that's an area that we see managed service providers filling that gap. Because they're the experts in AWS services, they, can, they know how to apply those standards and those expectations from customers on their infrastructure. And they do that starting with infrastructure as code. Rather than handcrafting individual uh, environments, they provide a compliant service catalog to their customers. So a, a, a managed services customer knows that what their developers deploy on is going to meet the compliance standards that they need. Once they are deployed, they pay attention to what's going on in those environments monitoring for change on instances within the AWS environment by tracking things through CloudTrail and on instance through, uh, uh, through third-party services. Uh, and as those things change, they ensure that they still meet those compliance standards. And if they don't, they can quarantine those automatically. It's becoming more and more stressed through compliance standards that you can't allow non-compliant resources to exist in your environment. They need to be quarantined, and it needs to happen automatically. You can't let it sit in a queue for 24 hours before an engineer has a chance to touch it. So you can use services like AWS Lambda to uh, carry out actions on, uh, during those changes to quarantine those resources. One service we provide for this is AWS, uh, Amazon EC2 Systems Manager, uh, which helps uh, manage service providers 
to have a free service to manage their AWS and on-premises environments. Starting out with this, uh, a feature like AWS Run Command, which allows engineers to run commands on EC2 instances without needing to be issued keys, without needing to be issued passwords. The access is gated through AWS IAM, which they'll already be authenticated to. You can also look at State Manager and Patch Manager, which is how MSPs are defining what is a compliant, what does a compliant, insta compliant instance look like? How does it need to be patched and at what level? And as things start to drift out of that, out of that state, you can either automate the recovery of that file an incident, do what your customers need to get back to a compliant state. And then there are services like Parameter Store, which can act as a place for your customers to store secrets in a safe and secure manner, uh, manner rather than keeping them on text files or environment variables and things like that, to be able to easily feed those secrets into those applications as needed. Uh, we have partners like uh, AWS RainCloud in a implementing EC2 Systems Manager directly with their managed services, and technology partners like CloudHealth are uh, integrating with that service. So if you're, uh, if you're using their service, you can also use EC2 Systems Manager for some of those capabilities. Uh, AWS Developer Tools is another area that we, uh, that we focus on with managed services. Uh, it's very important for our managed service providers to be involved early, and that, in that includes helping those customers make those DevOps transformations. As they begin to change their teams, their organization structure, and how they deploy code, managed service providers are a very important, uh, important part of that. Being able to not slow down the rate at which your customers want to innovate, and being able to integrate with the same tools that they're using. So when their customers want to push new code, you can push infrastructure at the same time. Not being something that slows down what your customers are doing on AWS is a very important thing of, uh, our customers are looking for. And for, uh, and at, in addition to consulting with them on what their DevOps transformation looks like, there's a lot of tools that they're going to be adopting as part of those transformations. You can be part of that by man uh, providing those as a managed service so they don't have to dedicate engineering resources to manage the DevOps tools that are helping them go through that transformation. That's part of the undifferentiated heavy lifting and what's distracting their engineers from providing business value and what you can focus on taking care of for them. Uh, AWS developer tools like Code Commit, Code Pipeline, and Code Deploy help MSPs and end customers build, deploy, test, uh, their, uh, their code on AWS. And we also have a number of third-party uh, uh, AWS partner solutions that integrate directly with these services to allow you as a managed service provider to provide the services that your customers are most interested in and integrate with the same tools that they use. Uh, billing and cost optimization is a, an important part of being an MSP. MSP customers are interested in you being an advisor to them on what's going to reduce their cost, how to use their AWS resources efficiently. AWS MSPs are also typically reseller partners. They need to understand cost and usage reports. They need to understand multi-tenant billing. And they typically do this through the use of a third-party tool, uh, Cloud Health and Cloud Checker, for example. Uh, they need to understand what recommendations to make to their customers for cost. One area that we've seen this happen is uh, with a case study with Cloud Health and SHI. So SHI was helping a customer migrate to AWS, data and applications. And while focusing on moving those applications, focusing on reducing the cost of the application, that's, that's what we expect all MSPs to be doing. And they achieved that. They, they achieved reductions in the cost of the data storage and, and the compute. But where they went above and beyond is being able to identify for that customer what their end customers were using on AWS. So the storage that was being put, uh, the storage that was being utilized by each individual discrete customer, uh, end customer uh, of the MSP's customer, uh, helped them identify uh, uh, where and how they were pricing their product. So if you understand what that end customer is using, you can also gain business intelligence out of what your resources, uh, what resources are being used. So you can make decisions on how to price your service. So being able to go that next step as an MSP by using these tools to identify more intelligent business value for those end customers is where they can really make a difference in their customer's business. I'm gonna hand back over to Barbara and Dave to talk about uh, partner enablement.
Awesome. Thanks, Thomas. Thanks for sharing that case study, too. I think it's really exciting to see where we take a technology partner solution um, and meet that with the services of an MSP to drive unique value to end customers. So, so it's really cool to see those dots connected in that way. Um, so we already looked at the slide earlier. Um, just wanted to pull it back up for a moment to talk with you about enablement in these categories. Um, as Dave mentioned when he, when he talked about some of these different areas of uh, practice and business building, um, there are resources tied to each of these that are available to you as an APN partner. Um, if you are not a registered APN partner today, I would encourage you to go do that. You get access to APN Partner Central, um, which has a wealth of resources, including white papers, getting started guides, how to build a practice guides for both technology and consulting partners. You can access and register for training and certification, um, and there's a discount available to registered partners on training courses, so that's a really important benefit. Um, there's documents to help you building, uh, build out a business plan. Um, you can find information about our differentiation programs. Um, and you can also access APN Marketing Central, where, as Dave mentioned, you can launch marketing campaigns. You can download content or copy to run in your own marketing campaigns. So there are a wealth of resources available to you through APN Partner Central. If you're not familiar with it today, um, I recommend you take a few minutes, log in, take a look at those tools and resources sources and make sure you know what's out there. Okay, so a couple of the areas um, that I spoke about earlier was customers are really looking at our partners to differentiate and specialise uh, themselves in the marketplace. And I guess one of the ways that we badge or validate those partners is um, through one of our programs called the Service Delivery Program. Uh, there's currently more than 20, well there's 20 services available and they, they'll range from compute services, database services, serverless compute services, things like Aurora, Lambda, Cradle, Redshift, etc, etc. So it's a really fantastic entry point um, for standard partners and above. It really is a case of if you have um, capability or expertise in an AWS service and you want to log in to the APN and register, it's really about a case of providing two customer references um, those customer references need to be less than 12 months old. Um, they can be public or private, but they need to be verifiable. Um, and that, and, and uh, just uh, looking at um, your blogs or anything on your website around your capabilities is really the qualification criteria for becoming a service delivery partner. But again, it really uh, highlights and accentuates to our customers, you know, your expertise in AWS, um, you have a differentiator, and it sort of promotes you as a, as a go-to partner, certainly on our partner solutions finder. The next program that we have is our um, competency program, no. which I'll get over to move through. Thank you. <laughs> um, and this is really, really popular. Um, it's been growing. It's been, it's been around now for about four years. Uh, and we've got 17 or so competencies tied to that. Um, and the competency program is really about our AWS solutions, and it takes it another level higher. It gives a, a customer a, a whole heap of confidence that the partner that they're working with has deep expertise. Um, most likely a centre of excellence and certainly some deep customer references aligned to the competencies. And their competencies aligned to things like industry. So it could be um, FSI, financial and serv uh, services and uh, government and education. Um, or it could be aligned to solutions like migration, IoT, um, big data, security. And then there's also workloads um, like Microsoft, Oracle and SAP. So when our partners get these validations and these badgings for competencies, um, it certainly is um, a badge of honour. Um, it, it's for advanced partners and above, so it, it is a, a, a medium to high entry level point. But certainly, as I said, the customers are starting to ask AWS, can you tell me a partner who's an expert in a specific competency or capability? Can you tell me a partner that has coverage with this competency available that I can, I can begin to work with? And often you'll find that in a lot of RFTs or RFPs, you know, there, there is a call out for partners with expertise uh, and capability. So these programs are very popular. They're evolving and growing all the time. And if you haven't been involved with the service delivery or the competency program, I highly urge you to jump onto the APN and register. And if you've got that expertise, let's get you badged and accredited. So in addition to the service delivery programs and competency programs that Dave talked about, we also have our AWS MSP partner program. Um, this really sets one of the highest bars for our partners in terms of our differentiation programs. Um, 
It includes a third-party audit um, to review and validate capabilities. So it's a really important part of maintaining that um, programmatic integrity so that our customers, when they look for an AWS MSP partner, um, they, have, uh, they can have a high level of confidence that that partner that they're engaging has validated capabilities. Um, we do use a third-party audit firm to, uh, to conduct those audits, and they're actually in the room today if anybody wants an introduction later to an MSP auditor. Um, would be happy to facilitate that. Um, we really emphasize in this program delivering quality customer solutions and experiences. So let's take a quick look at what that MSP program validation checklist looks like. The validation checklist is the full list of criteria for the program. There are um, many different categories of requirements, and I want to touch on a few of these while we're here today. Um, the first is business health and management. Especially three years ago when we, when we built this program, and even today we have a number of partners who, who work with AWS and participate in our programs that are smaller, very agile firms, board in the cloud companies, and it was very important um, to help provide a validation process so that customers could be confident in engaging these companies in long-term multi-year agreements. Um, so we look at overall business health and management as a part of the MSP um, validation process. <coughs> Excuse me, this dry Vegas air is killing me. Uh, billing and cost management, um, most of our MSP partners are also resellers, um, and if you are a reseller partner, uh, we will look for best practices to be in place around how you're billing your customers, how you're helping them manage their AWS um, consumption and costs. Um, service desk and customer support, these are obviously critical elements of providing managed services, whether in traditional or next generation models, so we definitely want to look for some best practices there. Um, customer obsession, um, this is obviously always a leading concern um, of ours, it's a top priority for AWS, so we're, we want to look with you at how you're engaging and um, supporting your customer experiences and ensuring those ongoing customer relationships. Uh, Solution design, in, um, infrastructure and application migration capabilities, security management, as we talked about earlier, is an important element of being a, a cloud MSP, um, DevOps and automation, SLAs and reporting, and then process and cost optimization. So each of these categories you'll find within that validation checklist for our MSP partner program. We took some time to actually uh, talk to our partners who've gone through to the, the audit process. Uh, the validation process, and there was a common theme coming back to us from many of the partners, and it was really about the rigor and I guess the 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 um, programmatic approach about um, building a next generation MSP practice um, with AWS. A lot of them looked internally through this whole process and started to realise that there were areas that they could improve or that they actually had gaps in, and so this audit process or the the validation process really kind of highlighted those for the partners. Um, I'm not going to read these out to you, but certainly if you have a read through, and, and the one on the bottom there kind of, you know, kind of captures it very well, you know, identifying processes where they become, could become more efficient, uh, more proactive, and deliver better customer service. And I think these are you know, very, very common responses. Um, certainly after the validations have been done and our third party's gone in there, um, we find that you know, there's a lot more engagement between the practice and AWS. We've got a much closer relationship between our partner solution architects because they've been embedded in the business and really kind of building a trusted partner and advisor back into the business from AWS's point of view. That's great. You know, I think it's important to touch on here too that the way we approach program audits is, is a cons consultative engagement. We want not just to validate your capabilities to provide you the credential of the program, but we also want you to gain from that experience. Um, so the auditors that we work with are business consultants first and auditors second. So they're there to provide um, guidance, best practice sharing, um, and we um, unilaterally hear really positive feedback about what that experience brings to our partners' businesses and practices. So this is a busy slide, but um, just as a call out, does anyone want to have a guess how many are up there? Uh, a quick look. It's a, a significant number. You could quickly count them, I guess. I heard look. 80. <laughs> it's close. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, close. Um, you, you almost win the prize. That was yeah, pretty close. Yeah, almost win the prize. <laughs> so look, there's 99. And like the one thing you want to do to come, and, come to reInvent and say, we've got 100 MSP validated partners, but we're at 99. 
And for me, um, you know, this number is really kind of significant being an Aussie. Uh, we have a fantastic, um, he's a legend now, he's, he's passed away, but one of our greatest uh, cricketers, Don Bradman. He uh, very synonymous with the, the number 100. And if you don't know the game of cricket, um, to reach 100 runs in an innings is a, certainly a milestone. Um, to get 100 runs in a test um, is certainly a milestone. And so for Don Bradman, he, um, he went into his last test uh, before his retirement and he had to make five runs to, to get a batting average of 100 for all of his tests that he'd ever entered into. Unfortunately, he got out the very first ball and so he retired on 99.94. Unfortunately for the Don, that's what we call him, he didn't make 100, but I'm very confident that by the end of the year we'll have 100 MSPs here that we can display um, on our board. And so as you can see, it's, a, it's, a, a, it's not a, a large intake, but certainly those MSPs that are here, I congratulate you for entering the program and being successful. Uh, and they're certainly the ones that have been going to or going to from our part, uh, customers, searching out our MSP partners. So it really has elevated their businesses, their profile and both their capability. And so that's uh, a fantastic achievement. Okay, so that uh, brings us to key takeaways from the session. A um, couple of next steps I would recommend is first to visit the AWS MSP program webpage. Um, you find it in a simple web search or navigate to it through the uh, main AWS site. Um, from that webpage, you can learn more about our MSP partner program. You can see the full list of partners currently in the program. You can also access and download the program validation checklist. Um, which you can also find on APN Partner Central. So you can navigate to that either place. Um, recommend you take a look at that list of um, programmatic criteria um, and reach out to us with questions so we can support you in that process. Um, also, download and read the business case for next generation AWS MSPs from Forrester Consulting. You can find this right now on the APN blog. You go to the APN blog and type in MSP. It should be the very first blog post that pops up. You can get an infographic overview of the findings of the study. You can uh, download the full study. You can also register for a webinar that's coming up on December 12th with myself and the Forrester Consulting team who conducted the study to uh, dive deep into to the findings of that, uh, that data um, and bring more of that information forward for you. Um, and then lastly, please reach out to and work with your AWS partner manager. They are your um, best primary point of contact. Um, and then they can also connect you with myself and our team here. Um, should there be any questions or things that we can help you with, we would love to engage with all of you. Um, understand where your practices at are today, where you're at on this journey, if there are best practices that we can share, and how we can help you evolve to best meet the needs of our mutual customers. So thank you. Um, last point I was about to forget to mention, please complete your session surveys um, as you head out today. Um, and don't forget, this was the best session that you attended at reInvent, even though it's only Monday afternoon. We would, uh, we would, in all seriousness, love to hear your feedback around topics presented and the information that we're bringing to you so we can continue to uh, refine that and make this a better experience for you guys. So thank you very much. We appreciate your time. Um, the three of us will be available to take some questions and have some conversation off stage afterwards. Thank you.